All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am very excited to chat about a couple of different topics here, but most notably, I think, for a lot of people, Peyton Watson. Now, that's what the title of this episode is, but what's really a mailbag, we're going to go through a bunch of different questions here, asked over on X, uh, Twitter, whatever you want to call it, on uh, earlier today, and decided, hey, let's let's break up the training camp a little bit, see what happens, and we'll get into some of the details that uh, the DNVR guys shared, Vinny Benedetto of the Denver Gazette shared, lots of things to chat about shortly. Uh, but very excited to have everybody in. Hope everybody's having a great Wednesday night. I know that I am doing a lot of fun stuff. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, looking forward to seeing, hey, Dr. Van Nostrand's in here. Really appreciate you saying that. Sup, Brian? Sup, Dr. Van Nostrand? Bubba Gump says, peace, Watt. Yeah, <laughs> I mean... I love me some Peyton Watson. I love at least the theory of Peyton Watson. There's there's something to love about it. Uh, but we're going to do a mailbag episode for now. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But I'm going to answer every single question I got. I got eight questions. Next time, I want more questions, guys. Come on. let's. Uh, I know it's only day two of training camp. But, uh, I mean, hey, when you win the title, you probably don't have that many questions about the team. So let's get into the first one here. Grace asks, Will we ever get to hear from Jay Huff? Uh, This was a fun storyline on Media Day where Colin Gillespie, Jay Huff, two of the Nuggets two-way contract guys, did not speak, did not, like, we didn't hear from them at all. I'm not sure if the guys that are out in San Diego have had an opportunity to talk with those guys. We will see, but I will make it my personal goal, Grace, to speak to Jay Huff when he gets back. Uh, That will be something that I will go and try to do. Joey says... Am I crazy for thinking Hunter Tyson may be the rookie that makes the most impact this year? Uh, Definitely not crazy at all. I actually had a very similar take on last night's episode. So if you are interested in a more in-depth look at a lot of the rookies, that will be where I've shared most of my thoughts. I've I've spoken about Hunter Tyson and Jalen Pickett specifically a lot. I think that those are the two guys that are really vying for it. Although I, I did make an argument for Julian Strother. I think that there are arguments for all three of the Nuggets rookies as to what they can provide, what they will actually do for the team. And there's a lot to like about what the Nuggets are trying to do this year with their rookie group. None of them have to play, but I think there's an availability for all of them to play if things break their way, if the Nuggets actually need it. And they all provide different skill sets. But Hunter Tyson specifically, he provides the easiest skill set, I think, to fit in right now, which is backup stretch power forward. And I'm sure when we watch preseason games over the course of these next couple weeks, when the Nuggets tip off in 20 days, uh, it's less than three weeks away now that the Nuggets are actually going to play their first basketball game of the season. When we start to see these guys play more and more and more, Hunter Tyson, I think, has the largest opportunity to be able to be a rookie who plays right now. Um, It just makes the most sense from a positional standpoint. You don't necessarily want to stagger Michael Porter Jr. and Aaron Gordon a ton to begin the year, and that's what you would probably do. 
uh, if you're trying to build the best possible rotation. But in the meantime, who knows? Maybe Hunter Tyson will be the guy. Matthew asks, besides the starting lineup, what combination of players do you anticipate having the most minutes played together during the regular season? This is a good question because when you go back and look through a lot of the data, there are a couple of different things that stand out. Most of the time, you'll see a couple of different variations of a starting group together. You will see the starters at the top because the Nuggets play the starters more than basically any team in the NBA. They like to play their five-man unit together as much as they can. But when it comes to the second and third and fourth most likely lineups they're actually going to see play, you're going to see at least one or two other variations of the starting group. The one that I think is most likely to emerge is, oh, it's actually, it's a really good question now I think about it, because who's more likely to stagger? Is it Jamal Murray or is it Michael Porter Jr.? Those are the two guys that I'm thinking about, like, okay, which one of those guys is not going to be in this other variation? Because last year, the main variation that you're thinking of, Bruce Brown, KCP, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. But there was also Jamal Murray, KCP, Bruce Brown at, at the three instead, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. So both of those variations were the second and third most played lineups. I think if you're looking at a Jamal stagger, then what you're looking for next is probably Reggie Jackson, KCP, Michael Porter, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. However, I think that the one that's most likely, just given potential injury issues, given potential absences, I think it's probably the other group that features Christian Brown, which would be Jamal Murray, KCP, Christian Brown, Aaron Gordon, Nikola Jokic. That would be the one that I expect to see more, just because I think that there is both a likelihood that MPJ misses some time, or he actually staggers with the second unit to be the backup power forward, which I think both are likely. I think there's a strong possibility that either could be the actual choice. And because of that, I think that's going to be the most likely one. And I think that that's a good lineup. I think you get three strong defenders next to Murray and Jokic. And that is going to be the easiest way for the Nuggets to be the best version of themselves in the regular season. Uh, EJ Haka says, Hey, Blackburn, did you go to CSU and get us the 411 on the Sixers? Uh, I did not. I was not invited, unfortunately. And they're trying to keep it to Sixers media, unfortunately. But uh, it's very fascinating to, to hear about that situation right now. Uh, that, that would be the training camp that I actually want to go to because with the Nuggets, it's very straightforward what they're actually going to do. They're trying to pick between their 7th, 8th, ninth, and 10th man. Uh, what the Sixers are trying to do is figure out if, James Harden is going to sabotage everything. That would be hilarious. Um, and we should also get into this from 55555-ish. Coach Prime told Embiid right to his face to stop ducking Jokic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, he wants to smoke. You got to stop ducking. You can't. You can't be the MVP. You can't be seen as the best player in the league and also duck the actual best player of the league. He knows. Embiid knows. He might not care. Or maybe he cares a lot. And that will be something that changes this year. 
I wonder if there was a calculated decision in the last time that he actually ducked that said, hey, the only thing I could do to my MVP case right now is hurt it if I lose in Denver. So let's just uh, sit this one out. I think with Denver or with Jokic and, and Embiid in the previous season where Jokic goes into Philadelphia and actually plays them basically even and then Denver wins the game, that one really helped Denver's MVP or Jokic's MVP case because of that. But that was because Embiid, I think, was still considered the favorite at that point as opposed to anything else. So it is pretty funny to see Coach Prime. I don't know if he's back in Jokic. I don't know if he is defending and trying to get the most out of Embiid. I don't know what what his ultimate goal is there, but it is pretty funny. He's a the ultimate motivator for sure, for sure. Um, yeah. Grace J asks, "Hey Ryan, I just got done listening to two hours of a podcast of Lakers fans who are mad that Nuggets fans aren't mad that Joker said he only touched a basketball a couple times this offseason. <laughs> that is funny." Look, I'm not mad because he's still going to be the best player in the world. Like, it's it's not going to change anything with him because he's a savant. The only thing that I would really be concerned about with Jokic is if his conditioning was out of whack. And he looks great. He looks strong. He looks built. Uh, Maybe he was just, like, bailing hay for the entire offseason for for the horses. But I'm pretty fascinated by that, too. I think that the culture surrounding the Nuggets and Nuggets media is drastically different than the culture surrounding the Lakers and Lakers media and their expectations for what a team should do in this situation are different. And like they they like to pride themselves on excellence and prestige and everything that comes with being a Laker in LA. Nuggets fans and Nuggets media, Nuggets fans, Nuggets players, they don't see that same way. They see a much more family-oriented basketball-focused culture as opposed to the glitz and glamour of it. So you don't need to be saying too much. And Denver, frankly, didn't say a lot this offseason. I'm going to get to that in just a little bit here, too. Uh, But I'll have to go back and listen to that, Grace. That's funny. Um, All right, back to this. Let's do one more question before we hit a break. Oh, that's convenient. (laughs) This was the next one on on the docket. Michael says, why are the Lakers such big babies about everything? Uh, there's definitely, like I, like I just said, there is a concerted effort to be the best. And when you're not the best, and when, on contrary, you're humiliated, just absolutely thrashed at home. Uh, and Denver did the thrashing, and they got to talk about it. And it's the one time where, like, think about it this way. Let's say you are an older sibling and you have a younger sibling, whether it's a younger brother, younger sister. And for all of your life, up until you're 19 or 20 years old, let's say, all your life, basically, you've been the older brother or sister. You have been better at everything. You've been more consistent at everything. You have never had to watch your younger brother or younger sister outgrow you and get better. And I think that Lakers fans are the older brother, older sister that has now been outgrown and is very irritated and very sullen and very, I think, bitter about that entire situation. It's clear. Like, it just is very clear that they are 
upset and cannot look away and cannot turn away and cannot stop talking about how the Nuggets are talking, about what the Nuggets are doing, about what the Nuggets are saying. And that to me is a, that's a loser complex for one thing. But it's also the complex of a team that has been in the limelight for as often as they have. And you are very clearly not right now. And it is rubbing you the wrong way. So I think they sense the actual like window of opportunity for themselves is not that large, given that LeBron James will turn 39, 39 in on December 30th of this year. We'll be 39 when the playoffs begin. And Anthony Davis isn't exactly a spring chicken. He's going to be turning 30, but he is an old 30 because he has so many injury miles on him. And he came into the league when he was 18. So there is a lot riding on this season for the Lakers because if they don't get it done, then they're screwed. So I'm curious to see what actually happens. I'm curious to see how the Nuggets handle themselves and how the Lakers handle themselves with this rivalry going forward. Michael Malone today at practice said it's not a rivalry. I disagree. I think it is. I think it's when you are little brother and you ultimately outgrow big brother and you smack him in the head and they're like, what is going on? I can't really fight back because I'm not going to win. People are going to get very bitter about it. So pretty funny to see, pretty funny to hear from all of the details about this conversation, but it has been enjoyable nonetheless. All right, tell you what, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to chat about uh, just everything involved with these other questions and then get into training camp day three from afar. But first, everybody, this podcast, as you know, it's brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. Why in the world would you bet uh, with the big boys when you're not going to get the best deals, you're not going to get the best opportunities, and you could absolutely get those better opportunities from your local book, Superbook Sports. They're pretty much based here in Denver, pretty much based here in Colorado, and you can get some great opportunities with them this fall. They're just a dedicated team of odds makers that are in Las Vegas, but also cater to you here, uh, making sure that you get the best prices and parlays anywhere. And now Superbook will give you the bonus of up to $250 when you sign up and wager and use their promo code MILEHIGH in the same day. So make sure to bet with the best this offseason and use or this upcoming season and use promo code MILEHIGH this football year, breaking on the basketball season. Do it with Superbook Sports. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. We'll be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. And we're back. Pickaxe and Roll. Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate all the love and support on the podcast. We're seeing some awesome growth on the YouTube channel, and it has been very cool, very fun to see. Been trying to put out as much great content as possible. There's some good stuff coming with Swipe a Can over the course of these next few weeks. Well, that some stuff that maybe we even recorded today. So there will be some stuff that comes out in the near future. Why don't you subscribe if you want to? Uh, if you don't, I understand. But like, I would love it if you did subscribe because it helps us out tremendously. So thank you so much. Hit that like button as well. That drives the algorithm too. All right, let's get back to the mailbag episode. We're going to finish up these questions here. 
And we've got this next one from Gage, and this is basically, this kind of facilitated my discussion about Peyton Watson, although this wasn't directly about Peyton Watson. Gage asks, uh, shout out Gage Bridgeford, who I worked with the Denver Stiffs. Gage asks, who on the roster outside of AG do you think could benefit the most or expand their game the most simply from playing alongside Jokic? And I know that this was a good question because we always see players that are on Denver's bench. They will play better when they're playing next to Joker because he's the best player in the world. He has a game that is very conducive to helping out other people achieve their best results. Some players don't really fit that style, but I don't think Denver has any player that doesn't fit the Jokic style outside of DeAndre Jordan, who is just not going to happen with two centers, or maybe Reggie Jackson, though I think I want to give Reggie the benefit of the doubt there too. We'll have to see how that goes. I think the guy that I'm looking at is Peyton. I gave my answer away because I put it in the title. But I think that Peyton Watson is going to be really helped out by Nikola Jokic this season. And the reason for that is I went back and looked at the amount of minutes and the the games that they played together. They played three total games. They played three total minutes together. Just three. That seems wild, right? That seems wild for any player. Peyton played the fewest amount of minutes of anybody on the Nuggets roster with Jokic. He, in some of the games that he did play, Jokic was sitting. Uh, In some of the games that he did suit up and play, he basically played entirely with the bench while Jokic played entirely with the starters. There was no real overlap there. That's going to change this year. That's clearly going to change because if there is one injury or one absence in the starting lineup, then it's very possible that Peyton Watson could be the guy who starts. Think about this. What happens to Denver's rotation if Aaron Gordon misses a game? What happens? What are they going to do? Are they going to start Michael Porter at the four? Are they going to play Christian Brown at the three? Probably. That'll probably be what they do. But the easiest thing for them to kind of add some more size and versatility and and a player that can kind of repeat those same skill sets is a guy like Peyton Watson, who is going to be the help defender, who's going to be your rover, who's going to be your cutter on offense, and who can do some things with the ball too. I think one of the things that stands out about Peyton's game, and Justin Holiday said this at practice, um, or for training camp, I think earlier today, or well, I, it's hard to keep track. I know I heard it. I don't know if I was present. Uh, was that Peyton Watson's a really good cutter. A really, really good cutter. And it's all about staying healthy with him. We'll see what actually happens with his health. But I think that Peyton is a very interesting piece to play next to Nikola. Because when I go back and look at Jokic's early growth, one of the things that stands out is his time with Wilson Chandler and Danilo Gallinari early on. And it kind of extends to Michael Porter and Aaron Gordon, of course. But what Denver really learned early on was that vertical cutters and size with your cutters is really important. As great as Gary Harris and Will Barton were in their fits with Nikola, the best guys to play with him are the big targets, the ones that can get into the middle of the floor, that can take advantage of a smaller defender, put somebody on their back, get right to the rim, and go up strong. Jokic fits really well with those guys because he doesn't need that large of a window in order to make a pass. 
but the larger the window is, the more likely he is to make the pass. And he will hit Aaron Gordon a ton under the rim as a result. He'll hit Michael Porter under the rim a ton as a result. I think he's going to do the same with Peyton. I think he's going to do the same with a guy like him. And I am so looking forward to the idea of Peyton Watson running the floor, Jokic throwing hit-ahead passes to him, or Jokic running DHOs, maybe opening up at the elbow, and Peyton Watson flashing to the middle of the floor, and Peyton just being on the receiving end of a lot of plays like that. Also, the give-and-go, where rather than run a traditional DHO, Peyton gives up the ball to Nicola and then immediately cuts back door. That's a great opportunity for Peyton to get a highlight dunk, and Jokic will hit him with that every freaking time. It'll be very fun, and I am looking forward to those kinds of moments. I also think that Peyton, with as athletic as he is, as dynamic as he is on the defensive end, he'll make some highlight plays defensively, covering up for Nicola. Because Nicola is a positional defender, he's not an athletic, rangy defender. Pairing him with Peyton Watson on the wing, Peyton Watson, when he's defending in the action with Nicola, as long as Nicola holds up the action and, and delays it like, I don't know, five milliseconds, 10 milliseconds, Peyton Watson's going to be in the rear view, challenging a lot of shots, getting a lot of steals, making himself a nuisance to the opposing team. I think that like the more I think about it and the more I, I've talked about liking Justin Holiday a lot, liking Reggie Jackson, not necessarily sure where Peyton Watson's going to fit into the rotation, but I think he's going to play. And I think if he plays with Nicola, he's going to play really, really well. So we will see what happens. But I like the idea of a Michael Porter, Peyton Watson, Nicola Jokic frontcourt. Whether you want to call MPJ or Peyton the four, doesn't really matter to me. Uh, you're, they're both forwards. They are both dynamic in that regard. But I love that trio. I think that that trio could be really good. And if Denver does ultimately decide that they need to stagger Aaron Gordon with the second unit to help it out a little bit more, maybe that's a great counter is that, hey, five minutes into the game, Peyton Watson comes in for Aaron Gordon and they play this dynamic trio with Nicola, don't really lose anything. And then Aaron Gordon can go prop up the bench. That I think is a really exciting prospect for me. Go over some comments here. Uh, Cedric, what's up, Cedric? Uh, Peyton Swatson on the leash. And also Cedric says, by the way, Ryan, I started working here at Westgate in Vegas. So whenever I go to the sportsbook, I'll hear your voice. That's funny. That's 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 very funny. Uh, <laughs> I think I am going to come down to Vegas for the in-season tournament. I think that's going to happen. So we will, I, I don't want to spoil too much about what we've got working, but I think that there is a possibility that you might get some fun in-season tournament coverage from pickaxe and roll. That would be very, very cool. All right. Let's move on. A couple more questions here before we hit another break. Perk Jokic, he says, hypothetically, if Reggie doesn't work out, will Jalen get an opportunity or will it be will it be a stagger with Jamal Murray again? I think that Jalen's gonna get the opportunity. I don't like it's funny because you don't necessarily want to bench Reggie. I think what will actually happen is Reggie and Jamal will play together. Kind of like what happened with Bones last year, where it wasn't working with the Bones-led second unit. And rather than play uh, Jamal instead of Bones, they decided to play Bones and Jamal together to see if they could provide a little bit more 
direction, a little bit more oomph. It didn't end up working. Things hopefully for Bones will work out better with the Clippers. But I I have to imagine, actually, that you're right about this, Perk Jokic, that the order of operations will be, rather than benching Reggie Jackson, will be let's see if Jamal and Reggie works as a better backcourt duo. Somebody, a, a duo that can actually get a little bit more consistent uh, like offensive run. Whether that's actually the case of what they need or not, I expect that the bench will need more offense, and I expect that Jamal will probably get that call. I would like to see Jalen at times. The good thing, though, is that this should be the year for Reggie. This should probably not be the year for Jalen, but who knows? Maybe he rolls an ankle, maybe they decide to go with Jalen, and maybe that works out better. Or maybe Reggie's just great and we don't even have to worry about it. But I know this was a hypothetical. I think that's it's probably more likely than not that Reggie doesn't work because it didn't work last year. I could explain away why it didn't work, but I do think that it's at least a possibility that what we saw last year was what we're going to get. And if that's the case, then it might be a little bit frustrating to some, but I do think that Jalen will ultimately get an opportunity at some points. We'll just have to wait and see on that because there are going to be games that Jamal doesn't play. There are going to be games that Reggie doesn't play. And if that's the case, then you're going to see Jalen Pickett. I really do believe that. Nugget Season asks, any leaks on the new jerseys? None yet. None yet that I have seen. I I know that there have been some other jerseys that have leaked. There have been some other crappy jerseys that have been leaked too. And I I gotta be honest, like, I'm not a big fan of the way that Nike has done this, where they are cycling jerseys in and out of, like, trying to maximize the amount of dollars that they're going to get by basically providing a new city jersey, new statement jersey every single year, unless a team decides, no, we're going to stick with this one. I actually don't know what the plan is. I'll have to do a little bit more research on this. It's been a little bit busy lately, and you guys will find out why pretty soon. But I do think that there is a possibility that we don't see those jersey leaks until after opening night, especially when it comes to the city editions. Um, there will be a playoff edition as well, I assume. I'm not sure how often they will wear that, but Denver should get five jerseys that they wear this year. They're going with the same association and icon jerseys, the normal blues and the white uniforms. Um, not sure I love those. I prefer the Skylines. I actually preferred... If I had to pick a skyline, I would probably say the white rainbow skylines were my favorite. But you could say the the blues, you could say the blacks, you could say uh, I didn't like the reds. I I didn't, although Michael Porter definitely made those look good. Uh, He's the guy that I think about when I think of those jerseys. And he has some great moments in those jerseys for sure. But how many other guys do you really think about with the, the red statements, rainbow skyline jerseys. Not not many. So um will be interesting to see, but I prefer if Denver was to actually have some definitive alternates and they just don't right now. So you guys will be the first to know and I'll I'll definitely talk about it on the podcast when those actually leak. All right. Let's chat let's do one more here before taking another break. Mr. Nunes says, Debbie Downer question. What if the championship is Jokic's kryptonite and he becomes human? Can the Nuggets overcome? It's a fascinating question. Not necessarily a fun question, obviously. And that's why you wrote Debbie Downer question. I totally get it. 
Uh, the championship becoming Jokic's kryptonite is pretty funny, in my opinion, just because, like, think about how many guys could think less of a championship and then say, he said, the job is over, we can go home now. Like, that to me is a very Jokic thing. Like, he obviously said that, but it's a very Jokic thing to embody, where this was a job, and he's really freaking good at his job, and then the job is over. I don't think that the job gets any harder for him now that the championship is already won. I think the teams will start loading up and trying to defend the Nuggets a little bit stronger. They'll have a target on their backs a little bit more frequently. But is he going to become human? No, no, I don't think so. I think that there's a possibility that when he hits 31, 32, that he starts to lose some of his athleticism. And not that he had a lot to begin with, but if he does start to lose what little he has and then isn't making the same plays that he was hoping to make and can't cover the same amount of ground on defense, then, or maybe it's the, the actual quickness and the, the cuts and the little herky-jerky moves that he makes just to gain just a little bit of space. If he stops being able to do that, then he'll go back down to normal and he'll be, he'll be a normal human at that point. And maybe you could say it, but I don't think the championship is that. I just think it's more of the natural aging process for any star. I, I can't see him, of all people, being affected by it. You know, like, he is just, like, not a robot. But when it comes to clutch situations, pressure cook situations, he's never been one to shy away from those. And when the pressure gets turned up this next season, I expect him to perform. I think everybody expects him to perform. But I, I think that he is clearly the best player in the world right now. And... If that mean if, if if coming off of this and you're a year out and you realize hey there's another guy that really is in that category or maybe he's not even the best player in the world at that point is that coming back down to earth and being human maybe is it going to average a triple double maybe not but I do think that the bar is so high that any amount of regression back to the mean it shouldn't be seen as him becoming human. Maybe it's just a little bit of regression from what was one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen before. Like, how many players in NBA history could average what he averaged on the efficiency that he averaged while carrying the burden that he did? Four? Like, it's like four guys that I can really think of in terms of the actual quality of the numbers that he put up, which is nuts. That is a crazy thing to say, but it's also true. So, he deserves... The benefit of the doubt, I am not going to doubt him until he proves that I should. And I think that he's going to be like this for a long time. Just a, a strong, dependable player for a long, long time. And however long he plays, you just have to wait and see. But I don't think it's going to be like he's not stopping anytime soon. He's too good. He is too good. He is amazing. All right, let's take one more break. When we come back, we're going to talk about training camp day two and see what was said from that. We will be right back. But first, this message from Sandy and Sean.
obviously that clip a little bit old, but now that we are getting back into the swing of things, I was just on Sandy and Sean's show yesterday. I had a good conversation with them about media day, general takeaways, what we can expect from the Nuggets this season. So make sure to go check out Sandy and Sean. They are live, actually not two to four. They are now live four to six every weekday. Make sure to go check out their show. All right, final segment here. Let's talk about game or training camp day two. Nothing major came out of this. I, I just I wrote some notes down here of, of things that I thought were the, the big deal. Uh, Om Young Masuk, who covers uh, a variety of teams, but most notably the Clippers, and then is now become the Nuggets guy for the uh, for ESPN. Uh, he asked about the Lakers comments and then why they were they were talking as much as they were. He asked that to Michael Malone, and Michael Malone obviously gives a an epic response to something like that is, oh, they're still talking about us? This is uh, four months ago? <laughs> That's crazy. That is, a, that is a crazy thing for Michael Malone to say, but in a good way. Like, it's, it's the perfect thing for him to say because, yeah, the Lakers are still talking. Contrary to popular belief, the Nuggets have not talked all that much. Like, they have said that they are better than, than the Lakers, that they dominated that series and that it wasn't that hard. And they've said all those things. The problem with the social media age is that anything that anybody says can be blown up. And if like the Lakers are saying a whole bunch of stuff because of the size of the media, like it's, it's, it's normal. It's normal for that to be a thing. When all Lakers fans are now tracking every single one of the Denver Nuggets comments and whether they say anything about the Lakers, whenever it's going to happen, it's going to be clipped. So they weren't asked a ton about the Lakers, or maybe they were. And like there's the few amount of clips that you've actually seen, they have just been proportioned out of control by the size of the Lakers fan base. It is just dynamic in how fast the, the news travels and how much that spreads like wildfire through a, a fan base that is rabid for attention. Um, but I do think that it is funny the way that Michael Malone handled it. Media Day was funny. Like, that was that was a thing. The Lakers are going to continue to talk. They are pretty upset. And whether they should be or not, like, it's fine. I'm okay with the rivalry. I think it's good. And this game on opening night is going to be a lot of fun. And it's not going to tell us anything about who's going to win the title. Like, even if the Nuggets win, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, they're so definitively better than the Lakers because of this game. No, I can point to the playoffs. I can point to the sweep and say it then. If the Lakers win, I'm still not going to point to it and say that this is going to be definitively a problem for the title. Now, if if Denver has like a plus 20 on their starters and a minus 25 on their bench and they lose a game by five, I might have some questions. <laughs> I might have some questions for sure about what the Nuggets are going to ultimately look like in the playoffs when, hey, you're only going to play seven or eight guys, but you need a seventh and eighth man, and Denver only has Christian Brown right now. So we're going to see what happens, but I am very curious to see how the Nuggets handle themselves and what ultimately happens in this matchup. Next, apparently the starters haven't missed a beat. Apparently that was a a thing based off of the scrimmage that happened in day one. Apparently the starters are playing really well in day two as well. Um, Haven't missed a beat. It looks like they're playing very well together. That's what happens when you win a championship and you get to just kind of boot up what was really working for you. 
there will be teams that really start to push on on what the Nuggets have done, and they'll there'll be teams that are figuring some stuff out with Denver. The Nuggets are going to have to evolve a little bit. They're not going to be able to win the championship in the same way that they won last year's championship. They're going to have to be better in some categories because they are worse in some others. But I think that the starters are still going to be just fine. They're really good. Now, Michael Porter did roll his ankle, apparently, like tweak his ankle. Not sure how serious it is. Michael Malone didn't say that it was that serious, but I think that that could at least be filed out of way. If If Michael Porter doesn't play in the October 10th preseason game, File it away as uh, as something to at least think about. Another thing, Reggie Jackson and Justin Holiday continue to impress. That's a good thing. That's a a strong take. Uh, not necessarily something that I was thinking would would happen, but I've done podcasts about Reggie Jackson and about Justin Holiday. I thought that like in the twenty question series, I thought that this was actually a thing that Nuggets fans weren't giving as much credence to that these guys could actually play, that these guys could actually be helpful veterans for a Nuggets bench that is very young if none of those veterans play. Like, think about what happens, like I talked about on last night's show, if Reggie Jackson, Justin Holiday, and DeAndre Jordan don't play. If you're thinking, okay, it's going to be Jalen Pickett, Christian Brown, Peyton Watson, Hunter Tyson, Zeke Naji. Okay, well, Jalen Pickett's 23, Christian Brown is 22, maybe 23. Peyton Watson's 21, Hunter Tyson's 23, and Zeke Naji's 22. So, like, that is a very young group. That is a very, very young group that you're thinking about. And if the average age of the group is 22, then you're probably going to lose some games. Uh, so you're going to need one of Reggie Jackson or Justin Holiday or both of them to be good. Hell, maybe, maybe that means DeAndre Jordan's going to play a little bit more than I'm expecting. But I think it's likely Reggie and Justin, and I'm glad that they're playing well. Sounds like Justin Holiday got some work with the ones today when uh, when Michael Porter went down. Interesting that Christian Brown wasn't the guy that, that got in the work with the ones. I think that they're trying to continue to have him build some chemistry with the twos, with, uh, with the backups, because he's going to be one of the leaders on that backcourt, on that backup unit. So we will see what ultimately happens there. But it is a good thing to hear that Reggie Jackson and Justin Holiday are playing well. Now, Michael Malone did not extend that to the rest of the young guys. I think uh, watching some videos when he was asked whether any of the young guys were standing out, he said, no, not really. I'm not sure I love that. Like, that seems, I, I know that he explained it and wasn't going to say, hey, I'm not going to give any minutes to anybody. It's They're going to have to earn it. This is going to have to be a thing. Uh, and they're, they're throwing a lot of things at the young guys. They're trying to make sure that they are prepared with all of the terminology, all the coverages, all of the assignments. And it's going to be a challenge for any young player in the second day of training camp. So not really a surprise that young guys are not really standing out that much. But Christian Brown doesn't need that much praise. He's already got enough praise. Peyton Watson, I think he needs to be pushed. And then you think about Jalen Pickett, Julian Strother, Hunter Tyson. If you highlight one of those guys, automatically it's going to mean whether to the others or to other people that are speculating about this stuff, well, they're ahead. They're ahead in the positional battle. That's probably not even the case. Like The positional battles have not been detailed in any way, shape, or form. I think if I had to predict somebody to win those those battles, that Hunter Tyson's the most likely guy, as we mentioned earlier. But who knows? Who knows? Like, I'm thinking that Michael Malone is still trying to figure stuff out. He's not going to give out praise for free. Like These guys are going to have to earn it. 
and they'll earn it in scrimmages. They'll earn it in the consistency that they bring to the table, whether it's in drills or it's in one-on-ones or it's in any of the the things that the Nuggets ask them to do. Uh, who knows? Maybe it's the rookie duties. Maybe the rookie duties are the ones that that sell that separate these guys. If Julian Strather puts on that that frozen backpack for from Christian Brown, then he might be leading the pack. So we're gonna have to find out. We're gonna find out together. But I'm looking forward to it. I know that everybody else is too. But for now, I think that is going to do it for this episode, everyone. Good 40 minute episode today, and, and got some good questions in. Got some good answers in. I really did appreciate those questions. If you want me to do another mailbag in the near future, then I will. Maybe I'll do one right before the season starts, but I, I'll i probably save it, actually. Like, there's there's so much to talk about. There's so many different layers that I would like to attack. Didn't really want to do a 20 questions for today, so I decided to do a mailbag, but I think that was the right call. Hope everybody enjoyed. If you missed any of it, make sure to go watch uh, go watch it back, especially the Peyton Watson bits. I think that those are very interesting. But for now, that is going to do it. Hit that like button on the way out, everybody. Hit that subscribe button on the way out. I will talk to you guys very soon.